cliffcentral.com cliffcentral.com it's your boy kf on no borders i'm back in my zone i've got a very special guest in the studio today uh, and when i say my zone i know everyone who knows me personally knows i have a love and passion for governance politics and human rights more so pan-africanism and what's going on on our continent current affairs from cape to Cairo. that is so cliche but anyway, like I said, I have a very special guest on the show today. I have Albert Gumbo, um, who is the Secretary General of the Alliance for the People's Agenda, APA, which I used to call APA. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kesiwe. Yes, it is um, Interim Secretary General. Okay, Interim Secretary General. Thank and you for, for correcting me right at the beginning of my own show. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Sure thing. Um, so, Albert, it, 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 it's been a long time coming. We've been trying to get you on the show. We've also been trying to get uh, Dr. Nkosana Moyo. I'm glad I have you first, though, because you come into the fray more as a bureaucrat and a technocrat and someone who deals with the actual structures and day-to-day as opposed to Dr. Nkosana who will come here as a politician. But we will have him here as well. And I know you might have something to say to that. That's fine. But, I mean, let's deal with the pertinent issues. Like I said... Um, social media, a lot of my friends, a lot of conversations I've been having of late have been to the point where people do not know what APA stands for. And I'm not talking about the acronym. I'm talking about your, your, your principles, your values. They don't have information on who represents APA apart from Dr. Moyo. Dr. Moyo himself has not been extremely vocal to the masses. I know he has attended uh, numerous town hall meetings and so forth and so on. But the ordinary person on the street, uh, also considering that he's been based in South Africa for over a decade. Um, so it's, it's a very good thing that we have you here. And a lot of pertinent questions that I've gotten from, from listeners and from friends and just people in general, we're going to try and answer and dig delve, um, delve into today. First and foremost, what gave rise to APA? Thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to speak to your listeners. APA is the result of a very, very long-term conversation that's taken over at least two years, a conversation that's been had. And basically, we sat around and said to ourselves, our country is dying. It has died. It has collapsed. Everything is going wrong. There doesn't seem to be any hope in the, on the horizon. And we said to ourselves, what are we going to do about this country of ours? So we had a series of conversations over this two-year period with many different people. You'll be surprised how many different people we spoke to. Until we got to a point where we decided we need to get involved politically. And this led to the launch of the Alliance for the People's Agenda. APA. Okay. Um, I think that was quite an obvious question. I mean, I'm, I'm sure every, anyone within the party would be <laughs> in a position to answer that quite easily. But I mean, it, it, it um, gave birth to uh, the grounds for my next question, which is, why now? Uh, Dr. Moyo left Zanupia. For those who don't know, Dr. Moyo was uh, um, a very um, critical part of the Zanupia uh, party as well as the Zanupia government in the late 1990s? 2000. Early 2000. Okay. Um, he left um, Zanupia and government over a decade ago, 15 years ago. Yeah. So, so um, firstly, he was never a part of Zanupia. Okay. Uh, Kosana Moyo was appointed uh, minister in, in the ZANU-PF government uh, because of his technocratic skills. Uh, 
So, Which is something that's very rare And I find that very hard to believe Well, We've never had, I've never heard Of a case where ZANU-PF would actually give that sort of power Or, or, or you know, even take note of an individual To well, that extent Well, the president saw quality And uh, he used to read Nkosana's articles In the Financial Gazette at the time And he said to himself He is a person who's got the right ideas for the country so he appointed Nkosana, in fact, without his knowledge, by the way. Here's a nice <laughs> anecdote for your, for your listeners. <laughs> okay. And Kosana get, uh, got phone calls from his mates telling him congratulations, and he thought, what's going on? Well, you've been Congratulations for what? <laughs> for, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, um, he then sat down with the president who said, you know, uh, I, I sort of caught you by surprise on that one. <laughs> we sneaked it in, but he accepted the appointment. Mm-hmm. So he was never a member of ZANU-PF is the point I want to make. Okay. He accepted the appointment. He served as minister. He was a technocrat appointed to a political post. For his, for his technocratic technical skills. skills yes. Okay. And the reason he left is it took a very short time, 10 months, to realize that whatever advice he was giving, whatever principles he was suggesting... Was landing on deaf ears. It was not going to be followed. So he then went to see the president and told the president that he was stepping down. What was, where was he coming from when he was appointed, um, when he was appointed minister? Well, he's got a rich background. Uh, he's worked um, for Standard Bank at the time. And when he had finished doing work for Standard Bank, he had set up Butterknife uh, Capital Holdings in, 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 uh, in Zimbabwe. And as a result of that, he used to put articles in the newspaper about how he saw or how he thought the country should be managed and how an economy should be run. Okay. And it is this that attracted the president. All right. I mean, those are questions I'll get into with uh, Dr. Moyo um, on a personal level when, when you finally bring him to the show. But then question is, so why has it taken this long for APA to then become an entity? Okay. And when I say this long, I do understand you said it's been a two-year uh, conversation and, you know, you've, you've been doing your research and so forth and so on. But even in those two years, I think um, the country started to fall apart over eight years ago, I mean, 2008 yeah. was the worst period. But yeah. even before that, there was yeah. five years before that. So it's yeah. been a good two decades yeah. of deterioration. Why now? What what made you guys think that this was the right time for you guys to come up as a political party? It's a very good question. Um, so you must understand we are made up of different individuals who've been involved one form or another in Zimbabwean politics in the two decades that you <clears throat> mentioned. But I want to put it this way. Our people fought a war for independence. And we have a generation of people who gave their lives, who gave their time, who gave everything to bring us to a point where we got political independence. So we salute those people. We salute the efforts of the cabinet that took office in 1980 and worked very hard in terms of education, in terms of health, to try and bring our country to where it was in the 90s. That's That's a very important. So we salute those people. We also salute the efforts of the likes of Margaret Dongo, Morgan, who then took over the baton and realized we've got our political independence, but we don't have political democracy. Mm-hmm. So they played their role. And as these things were taking place in our country, different people participated at different stages in our political career. Mm-hmm. And we supported those that we felt were doing the right thing for the country. But now it has become apparent that the solutions are not there. So in our two-year discussion, we say to ourselves, okay, do we join... ZANU-PF, do we join MDC, do we join whatever else is there, or do we launch our own project with our own ideas on how we think a country should best be run? So that's very important. We salute the efforts of those that have run the race. Mm -hmm. We think at this point in the relay, we should take over. It is that simple. So it was, you were looking at what was going on and saying, okay, maybe let us give them, give them a chance. 
for lack of better terminology. Yeah. To say, you know what, these efforts at this point in time, they seem to be adequate, but then fell through over time. Where upon you then said, okay, maybe it's time for us to add our two cents into the conversation. I think it's incumbent on every Zimbabwean who loves the country to support whatever efforts are taking place at the time that they're taking place in the running of the country. <clears throat> so post-independence, first, uh, first few years of independence, we wanted ZANU-PF to succeed as a, as a governing party. Mm-hmm. We wanted the government to succeed. And we thought we were on the right track. But we saw that within two, three years that the core values were completely misplaced. Mm-hmm. I mean, at 1980, I could argue man for man, Robert Mugabe had a very good cabinet. Yes. But what happened two, three years later? Mm-hmm. We had Gukuria Hundi. So the same competent people in the same cabinet looked the other way when we had major, major, major troubles in our country. Mm-hmm. In fact, troubles is a very light word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had wholesale massacres of our people in our country by a democratic government two, three years into independence. And so that was an issue. But then as time went on, then you had Edgar Tekere rebelling and moving uh, to form Zoom. You had Margaret Dongo, and then you had Morgan Shwangirai. And Morgan Shwangirai brought with the MDC a broad church, really broad church that was going to, that gave hope for mm-hmm. Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. But that has run its course. We have seen uh, the way that uh, MDC has really, really tried to bring about change and failed. Mm-hmm. So we thought, do we add something to what is already existing or do we create something new that comes with different core values, that comes with a different uh, view for society and with a different future for the country? I think one, from a personal level, I think alliances, not alliances, um, what do we, what, what's the word that we use for these coalitions right. have failed. They have clearly failed in, 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 in the Zimbabwean setting. Um, I'm sure you might have something to add to that, but I mean, that, that will come up a bit later. That was just to, to reiterate what you were saying about either joining or starting your own thing. But very much in line with what you just said, what sets up, up apart from all the other opposition parties as well as the ruling party in Zimbabwe, both socially and politically? Okay, so our mantra is core values and competence. Very important and in that particular order. We are a group of people who came together on the basis of shared values. The reason the, the conversation took, took this long is partly because we're discussing the values and threshing them out. Mm-hmm. We wanted to make sure that whatever we stood, we stood for. Albert, to cut you off there, so are you saying that there is no level of opportunism here? We have seen so many political parties coming out of, out of opportunism in, in, in Zimbabwe. And I think Zimbabweans are... Politically literate enough to now understand the money that goes into um, any election, um, whether it be for winning uh, successful parties or for the losers. Yeah. Everyone gets a piece of that election pie. And our fear now, is, as Zimbabweans, is definitely that, okay, now, with these people that are coming in, um, are they selling us a dream? Uh, are they speaking Sony? <laughs> are they trying to make us believe? Um, or is there a legitimate belief in their own skills and their capacity to actually bring about some sort of change. And change might not be winning ele- an election. Change might just be able, being able to stand an election and be a political party that survives 20 years. If we were opportunistic, Nkosana Moy would have accepted the various offers that he's uh, been offered by different political parties to lead them. Okay. He would not have left government, mm-hmm. but his values were so strong that he said, I'm not going to stay on the gravy train. In fact, I'm not going to partake in the gravy train in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, I'm not going to stay for the sake of convenience. I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. And so he left. 
But even when we came back and he got offers to join political parties, and this is public uh, record, mm-hmm. he said no. So core values come first to us. Okay. Core values first, competence second. And thus this two-year period of saying let's iron out these issues because we don't want them crippling the party once – we are in the fray and, and some sort of maybe power has been attained. Exactly. Okay. You, I'm okay. I, I, sorry, I cut you off, David. So you can go on with, with explaining to us what sets up our part from both the ruling party and other, um, opposition parties, both socially and politically. You did say that core values and, uh, competence. Yes. <clears throat> so on the core values bit, <clears throat> you will not find in upper a situation where there's dissent within the hierarchy or within the membership and somebody gets beaten up. We're not going to... So if Albert Gumbo disagrees with Nkosana Moyo today, publicly, Nkosana Moyo is not going to send people 400 kilometers away to come and beat me up. Mm. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it is simply not going to happen. Yeah? So that's important. Mm. Um, when you look at the way ZANU-PF has governed in terms of violence, in APA we do not believe in violence. Mm. So you're not going to have a situation where the state as an institution is used to meet out violence against a defenseless and innocent civilian population. That's not going to happen. So we're very clear and we hold ourselves accountable on the things that we stand for. We believe that if you have the right values in place, the team that works to implement programs then lives by those values and implements programs. Like I said, 1980, we had a highly competent cabinet. If you looked at them man for man, Mm -hmm. the values were not there. And when the values are wrong, a country's uh, progress is unsustainable. It's just that simple. And okay, you know, now that you have mentioned the core values and and uh, of of APA, well, I mean, you've mentioned them. What are the core values? Okay, of APA. So we are Pan-African, and uh, by Pan-African, we support everything that is African. We believe in all things African. We want to see the continent rise. We want the African man and woman to hold his head proudly on the global stage. Uh, we believe in the African Renaissance. That's very important. Mm-hmm. If I just speak a little bit about Nkosana, all his work, all the work that he's ever done in his personal career has always been focused in Africa. So when he worked for Standard Bank, it was the Africa Division. When he worked for the IFC, it was the Africa Division. When he set up Batanai Holdings, it was for the betterment of Zimbabwe. When he worked at the uh, African Development Bank, again, it was for Africa's development. And then, of course, this is very interesting. When he left, when he retired at age 60 from African Development Bank, he then went to work with a firm. uh, He was a partner in a firm uh, in England. He said to his partners, guys, I'm going to take a pay cut. My heart belongs on the continent. And he came back to the continent. He set up the Mandela Institute for Development Studies Mines Mm -hmm. with the uh, permission of Grasa Michel. And he began to work for the continent. So the man has been consistently Pan-African. This is very important to understand. And so have all the other members of our, of our team. So we are Pan-African. Number two, we are constitution-driven. That is self-explanatory. Number three, we believe in freedom. That's also self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. But what I, was, what I want to emphasize as well is we're a social democratic party. We're driven by social democratic values. What do I mean by that? Freedom, solidarity, justice. Very important to us. Freedom, obviously, the idea that you are free in your society, you are free to associate, you are free to worship, you are free, free to partake in, in political activities. In all the things that the Constitution guarantees, we will protect those freedoms. Very important. Solidarity. The idea that in our country, as a government, we will create an enabling environment that allows 
the strive must be yours of this world to, to thrive. So the most entrepreneurial, the most talented, they must thrive. But also the idea that you do not leave anyone behind. Very important to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we don't want rural life to symbolize poverty and hardship. It must be an idyllic setting. Uh, country life must be something you choose to do because you'd like to have uh, the fresh air of the country, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the slower pace. And and country life must not mean rural life. It exactly. must, it must no. you know, I mean, so even if it is rural, running water. And when I say rural, I mean, I mean, um, archaic kind of rural. You turn a tap, mm-hmm. the water must flow out. Yes. There must yes. be a pharmacy around the corner. Mm-hmm. There must be a clinic. There must be all the things that you have in the city mm-hmm. only at a smaller scale uh, and at a slower pace. Mm-hmm. But sedentary and idyllic. That's what rural life should be. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely nothing wrong with rural life. And then justice. The idea that all are equal before the law, that everyone has recourse to justice, that a citizen has a right to make, I'm, I'm quoting Franz Fanon now, a citizen has a right to make themselves known to the authorities. In other words, our people are not this mass of people that you shout at for two hours at a rally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are people who can say, excuse me, yes. I disagree. Or mm-hmm. excuse me, I have an issue with such, such a matter. We can recognize individuals. So freedom, solidarity, justice. I think I mean, um, it, it's a beautiful thing. And, and I love how it's been presented, how you present it. Um, my only fear from a more analytical point of view, which you can't really do anything about, uh, and which is the the the... the the problem with politics, the conundrum with politics, is that former political parties, you know, the ruling party, opposition parties, have come up with very beautiful manifestos and very beautiful uh, plans and strategies before. The question was, were they able to implement them? Were they able to stick to their guns? So far, uh, going so far, and with the track record of the few people that I know personally within APA, I can say that um, there is some sort of consistency. Uh, but time will tell and hopefully our listeners uh, have been convinced to vote as well. But speaking of the listeners and speaking of the people who you are speaking to, um, you know, the people in the trenches in Zimbabwe, the people who live the day-to-day lives, who are affected by these core principles and values and, right. and, and, and uh, what uh, APA is presenting, uh, what are APA's structures? Uh, we're less than a year from elections and we only know of Dr. Nkosana Moyo. And we don't really know about Dr. Nkosana Moy. Okay. So can we start with the first part of that question and delve into the structures of the Alliance for the People's Agenda? Okay. So we've got structures in place in the country. We continue to build as things stand. If you've noticed, our approach is rather quiet. Mm-hmm. That is deliberate. It is strategic. Mm-hmm. We know the history of our country. Mm-hmm. We know the history of the opposition in our country. Mm-hmm. We've seen... The Zimbabwe Union of Democrats infiltrated, a split is engineered. We've seen uh, Zimbabwe Unity Movement, we've seen the MDC, and we've seen the splits that are engineered, either because of a failure of core values or because um, there's been a, a deliberate ap- attempt to break the party up. We believe that if we maintain our values, that we can build structures that stand the test of time. So we build our structures on a bed of rock, but we also do it as quietly as we can because we know that we're going to be effective in the end. What so is, I can assure you... Yeah, but what is the fear of making your structures now? It is not a fear. It is knowledge. <clears throat> you know, uh, again, let me quote somebody else who said, your ability to learn faster than the competition will remain your competitive sustainable advantage. Mm-hmm. Now, 
if you haven't learned from the failures of your predecessors, what are you doing here? Mm, mm, so we mm. know that our country is in a situation where the economic situation is such that people can be infiltrated or people can be bought using money because our people are poor. So we are wise. Which is one of people's fears that, you know, um, could easily be um, a Zanupiev stalwart uh, who's a wrench that has been thrown into the works like Simba Makoni. Okay, as some say like Simba Makoni. Right. Um, but yeah. Okay, so number one, it's not possible that it could be a ZANU-PF stalwart because he never was a part of ZANU-PF. Okay, and, 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 and which number is something two, you did make clearer uh, earlier. Yes. Yeah, and mm-hmm. number two, because he walked away from the ZANU-PF government. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is self-sufficient, uh, he's independent. He and wasn't then, kicked out as opposed to the, the other wrenches that, that were thrown. That's, yeah. a, that's mm-hmm. an important thing. He walked mm-hmm. out on his own mm-hmm. and he's self-sustaining. Yes. So we are building our structures quietly. We are on the ground. We are on the coal face. And we're building a membership that we hope will be robust and strong enough to withstand the wiles of Zimbabwean politics. You know, to go back to core values a little bit, ZANU-PF is very clear. zanu ropa mm. They're absolutely clear. They make no apologies <laughs> about it. Yeah? They're yeah. very clear. Yeah. So we don't want to be uh, a part of something that is like that. When I talk about competence, I remember I mentioned core values and competence. Competence, exactly. Who is best placed, if you look at the candidates that we have in Zimbabwe today, to run our country and to save our country and to turn it around? You've got Nkosana Moyo, because I can only speak for him, Mm -hmm. who has worked at the World Bank, who has worked at the African Development Bank, who understands how African economies work, not just the Zimbabwean economy, the continent, who understands the importance of regional integration, something that is very important to, to us, because... Our mindset is Zimbabwe grows, Africa benefits. It, it, it clearly seems like APA's number one, um, uh, your number one, what's the word I'm looking for? Your aim, your goal at this point in time with, with what the country is going through is economical. No. Okay. Very good question. No, it's <laughs> not. The result is economic. But this is why core values are important. I cannot overemphasize this. Mm-hmm. So I want to tell you something else. We've got pillars that we look at for upper social cohesion or national cohesion. Rather, national cohesion is a very important pillar for upper. The idea that every single Zimbabwean understands that we are in this together. If the country is doing well, we all do well. If the country is struggling, we all struggle knowing that everybody is doing their best to pull in the right direction. Not mm-hmm. a small predatory elite that's living the life, mm-hmm. living large, and the mass is suffering. The understanding that we're all working together to try and pull the country. So national cohesion is important. That's an important pillar of of, uh, of upper. Second one, um, service delivery. We want the civil servant in Zimbabwe to have the joy to serve citizens. So when I go to the passport office, when I go to collect my ID, he is not doing me a favor. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. happy to see me mm-hmm. there. He's happy to deliver. Mm-hmm. He's happy to serve his country. Mm-hmm. So that's very important mm-hmm. as, a, as a pillar. Next one, state institutions. Now, generally when you speak about state institutions, you talk about CIO, army, uh, and the police. The but police, you, yeah. we go beyond that. It could be Zimbabwe elect, uh, Electoral Commission. Mm-hmm. It could be the civil servants in general. But let me just stick to the police, the army, and the CIO. Number one, we know that the majority of the police, the army, and the CIO are professionals who just want to do their jobs. Mm-hmm. We know this for a fact. So we want them to be allowed to be professional, to do what they were trained for. I mean, our police force at one point was famously known as second only to Scotland Yard. Why can't we have that back? Why can't the police charter 
be another promise that is kept up because they are leaving the charter. Because you walk in there, you are saved within three minutes. Friendly greeting and your, mm-hmm. ca- your, your, your case is solved within three, four days. Why can't we have that back? So we in want terms to have of that our, back. our security agencies, I'd have to have a show <laughs> completely on its own to discuss. Well, yeah, but it, what's important yeah, but is I, that I, I get your, I get the the, the direction that you're they're proud, they're professional, and they serve the nation and not a political party. So under an upper government, the CIO, the army, and the police will certainly not serve. How do you think it's gotten to that? How do you think now, now that we're there? How do you think it's gotten that to 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 a stage where, um. Hundreds of thousands of individuals, because we're talking of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of individuals, right. are serving a government of a few. The, and, and the question being, and this is a question that has been posed by a lot of people on social media, Mabawa, growth points, why is it, are, are they happy? No, they're not happy. Are they not suffering like every other individual? They are. So why is it when they are sent out to beat up the people who are trying to fight for them as well? Why do you think, as a politician, why do you think it's... What grip does ZANU-PF have on over 100,000 people? It's a combination of fear. But I'll give you a very simple example. Look around Zimbabwe. You will not see a policeman on his own. There's always three, minimum. So one is reporting on the one, one is watching the other. Yeah? Okay. So okay. he didn't beat the students hard enough mm-hmm. Or he just pushed them I don't know what it is But there's a, a very clever Machiavellian structure mm. That is in place mm. since mm. 1980 mm. That compels These poor guys who just want to be professionals mm. To act in a manner that goes Against their very being and their values So it's a perversion Of our people's values Because of a system that is systematic Really systematic and well mm. planned In such a way that it, it forces you to begin to behave in, in a manner that you don't recognize. And one of the worst things that opposition parties have done within our country is that they have downplayed the political muscle that ZANU-PF has. And when I say political muscle, I'm not speaking of uh, the police and, 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 and other security services. I'm talking of just their acumen as politicians. They are very well-rounded, well-established, brilliant politicians. Not necessarily statesmen or leaders, but right. politicians. Right. As upper, do you think within your um, within your your stable, uh, you have what it takes to go against uh, this juggernaut? Is it a David and Goliath situation? What we we have what it takes and better. The reason our strategy is what it is, and the reason we talk about strategic patience is precisely because we are willing to take the pain of being criticized for not being as loud as we should, because we are doing it deliberately. If these guys are as astute as you say they are, we see that and recognize it. And because we recognize it, we will not play opposition politics in the same way that everyone else has done it, mm-hmm. because that would be playing to playing into their hands. Mm-hmm. So because we know what ZANU-PF is capable of, yeah, through hook or crook, we know that we must present ourselves in this manner so that we can build an effective organization where they won't see us coming. And it does seem like they're not really taking uh, that much uh, 
consideration. Isn't that a good thing? Of, of up, I think, I think it is. That means we're doing something it's, right. It's, it's only coming to mind now because what the situation that why this, what prompted me to get in touch with APA was the fact that so many questions were being asked on social media, uh, in a very joking kind of jovial, um, first day the jest kind of manner. Right. But, um, it's interesting that in a very, on a, on a more serious level, if somebody must be thinking, oh, but these guys are there and they are doing something. Why is it we don't know what they're doing? And when they do come to the spotlight, is this not going to be detrimental to whatever we're doing? It's like, it's interesting that the biggest reaction to the announcement of APA has come from senior members of the MDC. It's very sad. Ah. It's interesting and it's very sad. Do you, to ask a, a, a question there, do you think that maybe it's because did the MDC at any point in time approach Kosanamor? I can neither deny nor confirm. How's that for a politician's answer? <laughs> that's a polit- that's a very political answer. Because then my assumption, if if the answer was the latter, then my answer would be my my no my my assumption would be that their uh, disappointment or their disgruntlement came from the fact that they thought that they could rope him in, but then he decided to start something of his own. But moving on, because you know our time is limited. Why um, alliance for the people's agenda? Okay. As 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 a political as a name for the political party, and do you think you have the authority to claim that you know the people's agenda? All right. So because we have gone about our business very quietly, a lot of people do not know that we've traveled the length and the breadth of the country listening to the people. The only reason we have not launched our manifesto yet is because we went to listen to the people first. We certainly have our own ideas. That's the competence bit, obviously. Mm -hmm. We have our own ideas on how an economy should be run. Mm -hmm. But you also listen to the people. So we've precisely done that. We've gone out. We've listened. The two-year conversation, number one, uh, the uh, post-launch period in which Nkosana traveled uh, and other people traveled across the country to listen to the people. So what we have done is begin to harness all the different ideas into a people's agenda. That is why when we launch our manifesto, it will be called a people's agenda. It mm-hmm. won't just be called a manifesto. It'll be a people's okay. agenda. Okay. So we think, and when you talk about the alliance, again, one of our pillars is national unity, national cohesion. So for us, alliance for the people's agenda means we bring together all the different elements of Zimbabwean society. And every Zimbabwean feels that they belong to this contest of ideas that is presented by APA. That the loyalty is not based on T-shirts and... <clears throat> Once exactly. every five years, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's very interesting because in terms of um, the alliance, and you're speaking of national cohesion. Um, what has been the? Um, uh, what have you guys received on the ground? Like, what has been people's general? Like, um, what have they taken from up? Or what have they given you? The one clear signal we've received is that Nkosana is the best candidate. That is very clear. The second thing we've received is, but. Uh, where where is he? Mm-hmm. And we've said to the Zimbabwean electorate, if you believe this is the right candidate, vote for him. Tell other people. Find 10 people and tell them why you think Kosana is the best candidate. Do not worry about whether you think he can win or not. Your job <laughs> as an individual, my job is if I hear of a good thing, if I hear in the supermarket X, they've got the best bread and I tell my 10 neighbors, they're going to buy the bread there. It's the same with Nkosana. So, and APA, our people know the situation that the country is in. They know who the best candidate is to sort out that situation. 
it follows that they should then vote for that candidate and that political party. It is common sense. So, and, and it, indeed, it's common sense. But I think that I think what Zimbabwe has gone through over the past two decades has really shifted the mindset of our people, because political conversation is no longer centered around what someone can or cannot do. It is centered around whether someone will win or not. So, I mean, it's always a matter of, and I was speaking to some friends about this, um, and we're saying, okay, so you're going to run? Okay, do you think you can win? But running is not just about winning. Okay. And, 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 and people don't get that in terms of the political, political literacy. Political literacy has grown in terms of the obvious. For example, what we spoke about in terms of, you know, the resources that go into, into an election. But in terms of why we need a strong opposition, MDC, from my own personal uh, point of view as a political analyst and political scientist, MDC didn't need to win a presidential election. MDC just needed to stay a strong, united political party within the country in order to keep Zanu PF on its toes. Well, they were unable to stay united for reasons that are very public. Exactly. Um, and I think that is where they failed. But so people, I, I agree with you that, you know, people should not be asking whether he'll win or not, whether he can win or not. But is he the right person for the job? Exactly. Um, and, and look at where the country is today. If people voted for... ZANU PF in 1980 because they look like they can win. Well, look at the results. <laughs> um, and what is APA's promise to the people of Zimbabwe? Our promise is very simple. We want Africa, Zimbabwe to be the best place to live in Africa. Simple promise. This is what we're aiming for. <clears throat> we have a unique great Zimbabwe. We have the Victoria Falls. We have the Chinoy Caves. We have a fantastic hospitality culture in our people. We have a work ethic, which is renowned globally. Education. We love education. We're a people that really love education. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, we have mm -hmm. this humility as a people. Mm -hmm. We are welcoming. We're, we've got fertile soils, endowed with natural resources. Very peaceful as well. Not Very a war peaceful, Exactly. So all we need is the right team with the right values, pointing the, t the country in the right direction. And with our human capital, I mean, which is our biggest asset, by the mm -hmm. way, yes. beyond all these things, because exactly. we've got all these things and nothing yeah. has worked. Yes. With our human capital and a leadership that serves those people and brings out the best in them. Remember, social democratic values, yeah? Mm -hmm. We bring out the best in our people, we will fly. We will fly. And once Zimbabwe flies, we then begin to impact the region because our core values do not stop at Zimbabwe's borders. So it's not a selfish interest. Mm -hmm. It is a legacy sense of value, a legacy that says we want to raise the continent. And to do that, Zimbabwe must be strong. South Africa must be strong. Is that a word that we use commonly in Zimbabwe? In fact, not even Zimbabwe, in, as Africans, legacy, especially amongst politicians, because it doesn't seem like they're working for a legacy. Or is it something that they start off with and then lose during their terms because of the obvious, uh, you know, the obvious uh, pulling factors that come in with being a politician. All you have to do is look at the speeches of mm. Robert Mugabe, Morgan Shangirai, Joyce Mujuru, and Kosana, and then decide for yourself which one speaks of legacy, mm. which one speaks of the future. Which one's but I mean, Robert Mugabe, there was, there was that video that was doing the rounds of him in early 1960s. And you could definitely tell that this was a true patriot, the way he spoke. No, you could tell that this was a man hell-bent on two things. Number one, justice for his people, but number two, revenge. Okay. So you always picked up. So when, when uh, 
Alfonso, That's something that I'd never actually considered, but that is very true. When Alfonso Jonica won uh, his uh, world title, he didn't say, congratulations, well done. He said, Arawa Bunu. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the mask slips, mm-hmm. the core values, the underlying values are, are exposed. Mm-hmm. It's very important. So when you speak to different leaders, you need to hear what they have in their heart of hearts for the continent and for the country. Values first, and then how they apply that with their minds. So it starts here in the heart of hearts in terms of values, mm-hmm. and then the competence brings those values into reality. So if, if uh, Trudy Stevenson disagrees with Morgan and she gets a beating, and then Tendai Bitti disagrees with Morgan and he gets a beating, Elton disagrees with Morgan and he gets a beating, Togo Kupe disagrees with Morgan, she, there's a consistency of behavior there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The values are not aligned with the practice. Or the practice is not aligned with the values. So it's very, Zimbabweans must ask themselves very serious questions. You know, politics is not a soccer team. You're not going to support uh, a team. I'm a Liverpool fan. So mm-hmm. I go through a lot of pain. <laughs> I go through a lot of pain and I go through a lot of joy. Yeah. And you support your team, come what may. Politics is not the same thing. We're talking about the life of a nation, the life of a country, the future of our children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a continent that has been left so far behind that we have to catch up. Mm-hmm. And there are those of us who And then are, if it, it's a problem when your country is left behind within that continent that's already behind. Exactly. Is, I mean, we, we are human beings. We are meant to take our place in the global affairs of man. We are supposed to be a living society, not passengers that are uh, dragged along. Mm-hmm. People are talking about going to Mars, and we're still worrying about sorting out our rural areas. It is important that the mindset that governs Zimbabweans be one that says... We are going to build something special here. You know, Albert, and, was, yeah. <clears throat> and over a 50 year mm-hmm. horizon. That mm-hmm. we're not doing it now, that I'm not going to get rid of Nkosana and get rid of this one and the other one. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. I don't see a Zimbabwean entrepreneurial ideas as an enemy or potential rival like Strive Masiwa. Mm-hmm. It's an asset that should stay on the continent. Exactly. Not be sent in exile and then he has a <laughs> headquarters somewhere else out of the country. Exactly, yeah. So this is what we need to harness Zimbabwean p- potential and so that we can really, really develop the continent. Yeah, yeah, I was having a conversation and, you know, more in line with legacy. I mean, I don't believe that there can be legacy without uh, protégés. Uh, without, I mean, the, the, the biggest job of our leaders should be to mentor. Correct. Um, and I do feel that as a youth, we were, we have been excluded from... Um, coming up with or being a part of our country's journey going forward, especially in the 21st century. Um, it's awkward how you have given us, our, our leaders have given us impeccable education, um, only for us to work for Donald Trump and David Cameron. Um, and I was having a conversation. So, I mean, first and foremost, legacy can, has to be hand in hand or in line with men, with with mentorship and then having proteges because you need someone to continue with what you have with the lay, the plans that you have laid down. If you then decide to lay them all down yourself, you know you end up at the age of ninety still being president. Right. But I was having a conversation with um with with a friend of mine who does who is within uh, the civil service and I was looking at the caliber of people that we have within civil service because. Uh, most of our social scientists, you know, political scientists, our lawyers, our economists, I mean, the successful ones, the best ones, the cream, the cream de la cream, 
don't work for our civil service, whereas it should be the other way around, that they do work for the civil service because our civil service, especially if you attended the University of Zimbabwe or NAST or MSU or Great Zimbabwe University, because we're saying that we want the cream of our crop to come and help make our country number one, back to the breadbasket, as cliche as that is. Yeah. Um, what do you think has gone wrong? Where do you think that would take a nation? And what would APA be able to do to try and bring back the Because you are going to need these technocrats okay, to come so back and serve a successful government. Again, it's that sense of legacy. If you, if you look at Singapore and you look at Lee Kuan Yew, he looked at the British civil service and he thought, you know, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I like what they do. I like how they do it. He looked at Apollo 13, the failed landing. Wait, I mean, can you give a bit, can you shed a bit more light on Singapore? Yes. So he, he, he took over a country that was poorer than Ghana in 1957. Mm-hmm. All it had was a deep, deep harbor and quite a bit of timber. That's all. Okay. And he said, you know what? We also have human capital. He then looked around. Obviously, being a former British colony, he looked at, uh, at England uh, more closely than, than anywhere else. And he took what he thought was the best of England, what was the best of somewhere else, and began to work on shaping his country's mindset. Mm-hmm. He worked on values, by the way. They actually okay. had a paper on core values for the country, community above individual, things like that. Okay. So if I, if I were president in 1980, we would say, we've got a fantastic people. They love education. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to make sure that the civil service is so professional that it creates the enabling environment for other, all other Zimbabweans to thrive. Mm-hmm. How are we going to retain them? We're going to pay them well. Mm-hmm. It will be small. It has to be small mm-hmm. because uh, wage bill is too high. Exactly. It will be small, but it will be effective. Efficient and competent. And if it is small, you can pay more. Exactly. So the civil service then becomes a very attractive place for people to go and work. And I think that's, that's, the, biggest, that's the biggest thing. It has to be made attractive because a country cannot thrive with mediocrity or in, and mediocrity plus incompetence within civil service. So you see, I, I don't believe that the Zimbabwean civil service is mediocre, nor do I think it's incompetent. I think you've got fantastic people there who have been forced to operate in an environment where if they raise their head above the parapet, it's immediately shot off. So you've got people who, you know, but Zimbabweans but, and their systems. You're going to speak like a politician. I'm going to speak like a radio host. <laughs> That's fine. But I'm going to say I disagree. Um, no, I, I agree to a certain extent to right. say, yes, I, I would don't, I don't believe that anyone within our country, I wouldn't use the word mediocre or I would use incompetent because the minute that you put someone who is, um, who is not incompetent for lack of a better word, right? Uh, I don't want to say better than anyone else, but who is not what, you know, the opposite of what we're speaking of. Yeah. They wouldn't allow themselves to stay within an institution or an environment or a setting where they can't lift their head up. That's why you Which have, is why I'm saying that we have left. That's why you have because, the exodus of human capital. But ex- yes. people have stayed. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine yourself being a civil servant. Imagine yourself being a permanent secretary. Mm-hmm. Your minister of finance on Monday says, we're not paying bonuses for argument's sake, or we are going to institute this policy. Mm-hmm. He says that on Monday, 2 o'clock. On Tuesday, same time, the president's nephew, who's a minister, says the complete opposite. <laughs> what does that what does that do for your professional exactly yeah, uh, yeah, life yeah, yeah so you either dumb down you either uh, give up because you still have to put food on the table mm-hmm. yeah so if you don't have the opportunity outside the country you might perform in a different way 
simply to keep your job or you might keep your, your opinions to yourself. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that the guy is mediocre. But it simply th- means he has adjusted to a situation that is forced upon him by a government that is callous, uncaring, and incompetent. So it's the government, the political heads, that may be inept. And because of the lack of the right values, they foist this culture on an unsuspecting civil Do you civil think service. that mentality is going to be one that will easily be gotten rid of? Yes. In, 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 in the likelihood, it's obviously a likelihood. I mean, they can't last forever. What goes up must come down. Yes. So two things on, the, on, the, on that one. Yes and no. Yes, in terms of performance, we are an educated people. Yes. You know, really, it's not just boasting. Mm-hmm. So in terms of performance, our people can easily respond to that enabling environment that comes from new uh, leadership that mm-hmm. provides, allows them to thrive. In terms of our values, we've been damaged. Okay. We've been damaged. Values and creativity. Right. Be- for my, my issue is when you've been boxed up so, for so long, for you to then, because I think the civil service, especially you know, our permanent secretaries, I mean, people within these, these institutions are the ones who should be presenting new ideas to our leaders. Our leaders, like we've said, are not technocrats. They're not professionals at what they do. They're heads of institutions. Um, and most of their ideas should be coming from 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 the technocrats, the people who went to school for this. But okay, moving on very quickly. No, no, but, okay. but I want to comment so, on that yeah. because you raise a very good point. So let me say something that, that might surprise you. There is nothing wrong with having a diaspora population if that diaspora population helps your country, the country back home, with innovation and creativity. Yes. So, yes. you know, when the, when the Irish left Ireland because of the famine, mm-hmm. many, many years later, Ireland benefited not just from remittances, but from knowledge, etc. You know exactly. Yes. So, <clears throat> I have every belief that once Zimbabwe returns to normal as a state, and Zimbabweans outside Zimbabwe see policy certainty, they see stable leadership, they see the right values, quite a few of them will come back. That's number one. Number two, those that were holding back in terms of giving back to their country mm-hmm. in terms of innovation ideas, they will give. Okay. I have no doubt of that in my mind. Okay. Um, and I, I mean, this is a, a personal question to you as a politician. Um, Zim is clearly a failed state politically, mm-hmm. uh, and not just speaking of ZANU-PF, but even most of the opposition parties. Mm-hmm. What do you think has gone wrong? Why? Well, I can't um, judge, but I can I can evaluate. I can mm-hmm. observe. So I think for ZANU-PF, it's very clear the yes. values are completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have no problem boasting about degrees in violence, uh, about saying Zanu and Europa. So that's, that's mm-hmm. very clear. The major disappointment has been the MDC. Uh, I used to be a member of the MDC. Mm-hmm. I served in Wulawayo. I was there 2000, 2001, uh, and then I, I, I had to move to, to Ali. When you have a political party that splits on a point of principle, I applaud that. I mm-hmm. applaud the guys who move away, and I say, well done to you. Mm-hmm. You walked away. From a potential gravy train, mm-hmm. yeah. So they walked away from uh, from Morgan. I question when they go back, and in my view, nothing has changed. And I said, "Well, is this a coalition of convenience? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are we so obsessed with getting rid of Robert Mugabe and Zanu PF that we don't apply our core values anymore? Mm-hmm. Because if you left on a point of principle, what is it that has changed in the original MDC?" That has compelled you to to go back. Mm-hmm. That's point number one. Point number two. The second layer of the members of the MDC who then lose out on this new deal, this new coalition, then say to themselves, hang on, 
we're not happy. So they fire their bosses, mm-hmm. their previous bosses, and they form their own little coalition. So on the one hand, you've got a coalition of convenience. On the other hand, you've got a coalition of the aggrieved. So you think to yourself, well, is this for the country? What is the sense of legacy? Mm-hmm. Where are the values? Are they doing this because they've lost their positions and pos- potential positions in cabinet or potential earning as an MP? When you have members of parliament going on strike for an hour over allowances, I question. Yeah, exactly. In a country that is suffering, mm-hmm. where there's 90, 99% unemployment, I have a huge problem with that. So as APA, we're very clear. We're here to serve the nation. The country comes first. The values come first. You build the the nation on a strong foundation of values. And when you do that, you then bring in the competence that is aligned with those values. You build a fantastic country. And once you've built a nation like that, any opposition party that might even be coming against APA, let's say APA has been ruling for the past 10 years, will have to land on those core principles and values. There might be different values and principles, but there has to be a bed of values and principles. Correct. And the Zimbabwean people will then say to them, you don't behave like uh, Democrats. Or, gee, you behave like Democrats. We like what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I would like to see a situation where tomorrow, if an upper government was in power and they did something wrong, I would like to see 100,000 people on the streets Mm -hmm. saying it's unacceptable. And I'd like to see an upper government saying, we messed up, we apologize. So rule of law, separation of powers, all these things are important. And I wouldn't want to see a situation where Nkosana feels he needs to stay in power so eh, she doesn't know what to do. He's going to appoint another four vice presidents. Mm. There's something seriously wrong. So my appeal to Zimbabweans is it is time to ask yourself hard questions. Look yourself in the mirror and say, what do I want for my country? Do I want convenience? Do I want a coalition with aggrieved or do I want people who are willing to be unpopular for their beliefs, but those beliefs are correct? True, true. Very impressive. I, I'm, I'm glad we finally had APA here. Very impressive on paper, I must say. Um, is APA uh, happy with, I mean, this is definitely one of the issues that, one of the biggest issues regarding the 2018 election. And like I said, the Zimbabwean people have become a very... Um, not just a paranoid, but pessimistic people to say, okay, whatever, you know, we really don't care. You guys are going to the polls. This has been rigged already. Are you happy as a party with the current playing field, the environment for the 2018 no, election? No we, are, no, we are not, but we will play under protest. Mm-hmm. When the Chinoy 7 went to war, the playing field was not even. Mm-hmm. In fact, they probably knew they were not going to come back. But somebody had to go and fire the first salvo for the liberation of Zimbabwe. When Buyane and Sakurugagu, we stood up, in 1896, the play field was not even. It was even less even then. So what we say to the Zimbabwean people is if there's a rigging mechanism in place, if you turn up in numbers and if you overwhelm the system, it becomes that much more difficult to rig the system. Exactly, true. But to say we're going to boycott this and we won't take part is, number one, not living up to your values because you stand up for something. If you don't stand for something, you fall for anything. Exactly. So you have to stand up for what you believe in. If it keeps you awake at night, you stand up for it. So we will do what we can to ensure that the election is free. We'll do what we can to get the vote out. So first of all, to get our people to register. Number two, to get the vote out. And num- number three, to secure the vote. So it's important. You register, you cast your vote, and then you remain vigilant to secure the vote. So that... This is why we say 
the institutions must be professional. All the army wants is to serve and protect a free country. Mm -hmm. Same for the CIO. Same for the police. They don't serve an individual. They do not serve a political party. They don't, deserve, they don't serve a government. They serve a people. They exactly. want their children to go to school. They want their kids to go to the park at the weekend. As hard as it, it is to believe, having lived in Zimbabwe for the past 20 years, but it must be the truth, yes. 100%. So Zimbabweans must turn out. They must cast their votes. And they must turn out in numbers to make it more difficult for any rigging to take place. But the worst thing they can do is stay away. Because what, what is the result that you get from staying away? You don't get a result. You don't get a result. Our, your life doesn't change. So it is important that we turn out. We cannot overemphasize this point. And in conclusion, Albert, um, why has APA not been uh, participating in the coalition activities that have been taking place over the past two and a half, three months? Because there's a mismatch. There's, there's NERA and, and, and so forth and so on. Well, there's a mismatch of values. Um, it is that simple. If If, if, if we felt that the principles they stood up for were timeless and that they did not behave in a manner that was contradictory to what they say they stand for, mm -hmm. then by all means we'd be talking to them. So if the MDC, for example, renounced violence publicly, if Joyce Mujuru stopped denying, all she has done is deny, 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 deny. If she stopped denying what she knew and saw when she was in government, then we can talk to her. Then we can say to ourselves, we're dealing with somebody who's Honest, because they say, I was in cabinet since the age of X. I've been here a long time. I was married to the army commander. This is what I saw. This is what I knew. I am sorry. I am sorry, Zimbabwean people. Mayor Kulpa, please forgive me. I'm willing to work for the country. Then you can say, you know what? Who are we to doubt the sincerity of our apology? That's important. Mm -hmm. if, if there was no pattern of violence in the MDC, intra-party violence against its own members, it doesn't matter whether they're junior or why senior, by the way. Why does this seem like it's become a Zimbabwean thing and not just a ZANU-PF thing? It's not a Zimbabwean MDC thing. MDC came up initially very much against violence. We, we, we say... They, they suffered violence. Yeah. Why then would it become, become something that is affecting the party within? Because they live in circumstances. They live in circumstances that forces them to abandon their values. And we say our values are non-negotiable. So you cannot... It, it, ZANU-PF has successfully created an environment in which self-respect is gone, dignity is gone, uh, respect for others is gone. And because of that, those that are weak in terms of their personal values succumb and then begin to behave like the person that they're trying to, to remove. An upper government will not do that. An upper government will be driven first and foremost by core values and everything else will fall into place. Extremely important. And it saddens me when I see how much damaged we are as a Zimbabwean people when when I was a kid when I was a kid a stranger could correct you mm, could yeah. chide you for not being at school exactly yeah, yes, whether it yes. was in Zambia Zimbabwe South Africa mm -hmm, mm -hmm. why has it this takes changed? a village to, to, to raise a child exactly yes. so it is important to us that this national cohesion be backed up by a a, a a core belief of community above individual. I love, um, out of everything that we've spoken about the past hour, which has flown by tremendously well, tremendously fast, um, I love because the, the principle of pan-Africanism is that we're one that we hold very strongly on no borders. No borders is based off the premise of sharing ideas as Africans. And because we share in problems, we must share in the solutions of those problems. And it's unfortunate that we don't know as much about each other and what, what the other counterpart is doing 
but thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Albert. Um, I had in the studio Albert Gumbo, Interim Secretary General of the Alliance for the People's Agenda, APA, uh, whose president is Dr. Nkosana Moyo, a party that people haven't uh, uh, been able to find out much about. But we do know that the people's agenda, not the manifesto, the people's agenda is coming out soon. Uh, we hope that we will have online platforms where we can find out more about APA. Uh, we didn't, we didn't mention that. Where do people find out about APA? Find out about APA on Twitter at APA Zimbabwe, on uh, Instagram, APA Zimbabwe, on Facebook, Nkosana for 2018, Alliance for the People's Agenda, and Dr. Nkosana Moyo. We also have our structures in place. We've got flyers all over the place that we're distributing very quietly, but they're getting to, to our supporters. Uh, and we are on shows like this. So thank you very much for, for hosting us. And we hope that Zimbabweans begin to really see the truth of what we're offering. It is a pleasure to have you. I think a lot of questions have been answered, but we definitely do want more people from Upper to come on the show, especially as the run-up to the elections comes up. Uh, people need to vote consciously. And that's one of the you know most unfortunate things that we don't have enough information about the people that we're voting for. We're unable to put them to task, whether it be Pastor Even and, and, and this flag or MDC. I think we should be able to put people that you know, are running for public office to test. We should be able to ask you the difficult questions. 100%. And not have Twitter go on about, ah, no, <laughs> I think the Messiah syndrome is one that is very terrible and that has been instilled in Zimbabwe. Uh, we cannot have another Messiah. We can't have another Robert Mugabe who apparently can, can do no wrong. Uh, as human beings, we need to keep each other on our toes. Um, APA was here on Cliff Central. No borders, your boy KF. We hope to have Dr. Kusanamu in the next week or two. Stay tuned every Friday, 1 to 2 p.m. CliffCentral.com. CliffCentral.com.